Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston, Texas, that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode here, we dive deep into an element of business or strategy and really test our theory of love against it. And today, we want to talk about agile transformation. Now, in episode three, we had already talked about digital transformation, and we broached this topic a little bit and intentionally kept it high level and away from it so we could have a separate episode just on this specifically. And even this one probably won't cover the vast, vast topic of agile and agile transformation. But for now, I want to zoom in a little bit more on one major aspect that makes digital transformations work, which is the agile component specifically. With me, uh, I have a couple of usual suspects and also we, we're bringing back Maggie. So Maggie was is the is our beloved project manager and producer of the show. And she joined us last episode and we loved it so much. We invited her back. So I'll start with Maggie. Welcome, Maggie. Thank you. Glad to be back. And your icebreaker question is, <laughs> what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Hmm. Um, I wrote this question and I don't even have an answer. Um, no, I, <laughs> I think um, the thing that just keeps coming to mind is when my, I was a kid, my parents just instilled into me, just be kind um, to everyone, no matter what, you don't know their circumstances or, you know, what they're going through. So kindness, be kind, no matter what is probably the best advice that's gotten me this far in life. So <laughs> I love it. Next, we have Chris Petrie, Vice President, Softway. Chris, welcome. Hi, good to be here. I love just truly, I'm reading these questions for the first time as I read them. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. As a child, Chris, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> so I have phases. So I'm going to, it's, it's, it's a three parter oh, for me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the first aspiration was an anesthesiologist. <laughs> um, but this is where I learned that following after people is not really my, you know, um, thing. So I had a friend, her name was Catherine. I won't say her last name for sake of privacy, but she was like, I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. I was like, well, now I'm going to be an anesthesiologist. And then I was like, wait, I don't want to stay in school forever. So then I was like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. And so my first job was actually at a vet clinic. And then when I sat in my first surgery, and I realized that I could never cut into an animal. That's when I was like, okay, <laughs> new mission in life. And that's when I decided on advertising. And so it was a three-phase uh, thing. And all that was as a child? Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> I, as a child, I didn't know anything about what I wanted to be. So that's impressive uh -huh. that you had three things you wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Mohammed on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mohammed Anwar, President and CEO, is also here with us. Welcome, Mohammed. Hey, Jeff. So, your question is what's the best book you've ever read? Oh, I think, I don't know about the best book, but the book that's had the most impact on me was uh, When Millennials Take Over. Mm. Um, so, that's a book that was very transformational for me to read. Awesome. Yeah, that comes up quite a bit in how we've formed how we got here today as a company. So Mo, yeah. are you a millennial? 
Apparently, <laughs> by some definition, I am. I was born in 1982, so. Ooh, I think you're a, a cusper. Yeah, he's a yeah, cusper. He's right on the cusp group. of Gen X. And, but is it an age or is it a mindset, y'all? Come on. Mm -hmm. It's both. I say it's both. Okay. Um, I guess so, I need to read the book to, to know more about it. Okay. Like Beyonce's on the cusp too. So oh, she's still included. I think in that book, they defined it from 1980. Yes, it's 1980. And Beyonce yeah. was 81. You're 82, right? I'm 84. It's yeah. like, <laughs> we, we, we made it. We made it. How many episodes without a Beyonce reference? From far too long. Far okay. too long. Here, flood, the floodgates are open. I'm yeah. fully expecting. Just make sure to tag her in the show notes. There you go. Yeah, Beyonce, if you're listening, Chris is a super, super. I think super fan of it. <laughs> a healthy obsession is what I say. Borderlining unhealthy, but yes. Yeah. Let's dive into this. And Mo, I'm really going to actually put you on the spot here because, um, you know, obviously Softway and Agile, you know, we have a relationship and you've been uh, at the at the helm of that. So please help us kind of understand this two-parter. What is an Agile transformation and why is it important? Sure. Before I go into defining Agile transformation, I want to talk about how organizations predominantly are structured. They're structured to be a command and control type of organization with a very top-down approach, uh, where all the directives in the organization come from the top-level executives going down to the rest of the organization to go do stuff. Um, and in an agile transformation, it's the act where the companies are transforming from that command and control mindset or top-down mindset to become an organization that thrives in flexible collaboration, self-organizing and changing environments. And the biggest thing I take away from there is changing environments. Given where we are in the state of COVID-19 and 2020, there is so much uncertainty and so much change happening around us that it's, it's, it's a way for organizations to be able to embrace the change that happens around them. You know, Agile transformation allows companies to be able to operate in times of uncertainty and deal with the ever-changing things that are constantly happening around us. And it allows them to have a competitive edge over other businesses if they've embraced Agile in the right way. So Agile can be very powerful for organizations to survive in a highly competitive environment, this ever-changing nature of business or uncertainty like the COVID-19 situation. Those could be some of the benefits. Awesome. That's great. And I kind of want to move into, you know, when we talk about agile transformation, I think it's important to try to share what we think is the key to a successful agile trans transformation, because it is a transformation. You're trying to go from point A to point B. So Maggie, let me pick on you as a project manager. I see you as, you know, in the trenches at the front lines of, you know, being agile and with people and, and, you know, can you kind of give that perspective, like what you've seen, what is the key that you've seen at that level of a successful agile transformation? So I think, um, the thing for me, so it, it needs to start with your leaders, of course, which, um, I think we all agree with, but, um, not just the one time saying that we're going to go through this transformation, but it's the constant reinforcement um, and the constant reminding of um, 
oh no, we're, we're, we used to think this way, but now we're going to think this way. We used to do things this way, but now we're going to do things this way. Because as humans, um, we're resistant to change. It's just natural. Um, we don't naturally enjoy it or, and we don't like to gravitate towards change. Um, we like to do what we've, we've done forever. And so it's, when you don't have that um, example to look to um, in your leaders, um, it's really hard to remind yourself of, um, to even go through the process, but even to to decide that it's worth it. And so for me as a project manager, I look to my the leaders above me because I know people on my teams are looking at me and I feel that responsibility um, of trying to remind teams why, why it's even important in the first place. I think that's the first hurdle you have to get over. Hmm. It's a really good point. I think, I think if you, if you Google agile transformation, you get like a 10 step regimented kind of process on how to get through it. And I think it paints this picture. Like it's this, yes, you have to be, you have to plan for it and have a strategy for it. But it, I think many leaders, especially higher up might get the idea that they can just kind of take that framework and apply it to their, their business and see some results. Right. Um, and I think what we're going to explore today more, more so is, is why that, that might be a problematic. So let me just dive right into that then, you know, what we just talked about successful agile transformation. Does anyone have anything else to add on that? Sorry, before I move on, I know I didn't ask. No, I think we're good to move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, in the opposite spectrum, um, agile transformation statistically fails quite often as well. Studies have shown that it is a, I'm sorry, I don't have the number in front of me, but a, a, a large portion of companies who attempt this fail. So can we dive into why that is? And I, Maggie open with leaders. Anyone want to add with, add into that? Yeah, I, I can speak firsthand. Uh, having to try agile transformation at software over the last nine or 10 years, I've made, I've had several different failed attempts at transforming the organization's ability to adapt to agile. And one of the biggest things that I've learned through the, the series of failed attempts is that it really came down to even how I was embracing Agile. When I first started, I, I it was all about process. I came in like, hey, I heard Agile is like this great thing that can help our business have this competitive advantage and get things done faster and and like tackle change. And, and where I think I personally may have, um, you know, had a big learning there was that I never took the time to really understand that Agile had to start with me the mindsets and the behaviors that go with an agile organization. And while I was pushing our teams to go do projects in an agile framework like Scrum, I was still operating the business from a non-agile lens. I was still operating from a command and control mindset and expecting my teams in their pockets to be able to adapt agile and be successful. And what I realized was that I was becoming the biggest obstacle in my teams being able to adapt Agile because I was pushing them to go adapt this framework and these processes. And here I was still operating from an old mindset of command and control. And I remember that. My biggest learning. I remember those days very well too, because the funny thing about that is that at the time we don't, it's not easily easy to identify that. At the time we were just struggling with Agile and wondering why it wasn't working. Yes. And I think the other thing, uh, as far as how it could fail is if you are 
in a situation where you you're being told to go agile, you quickly can become a victim where you're just like, wait, why me? Like, what did I, like, I don't know this. Like, nobody trained me, nobody told, like, right? And you you quickly find all the excuses as to why you can't move forward or why it's gonna fail or why it's not gonna work or why the client is not gonna be successful or, right? You start reaching for straws because as we said before, change is scary, right? So I'd rather show you why it's not gonna work than actually understand and embrace the, the change and sort of adapt or at least just test it out right try it once right and like for me i know that i personally you know have heard about agile but it was always from the software development lens i was like i'm never gonna have to worry about that i'm not i'm not in software development i'm not a technologist i don't do that right and so um in looking at um how agile can benefit even non-software development um, functions inside of an organization it's been um for me, transformational and just like interesting, you know, if you're a fan of social experiments, just to see what's possible when you just embrace a mindset, even if you're not doing all of the practices and ceremonies that you hear about full out, um, you can still understand that, hey, there's actually a better, faster or, or an easier way to, to learn how to get to an outcome versus, you know, this linear waterfall you know, let me go and wait till it's perfect before we release it. And then once it's perfect and released, then we get feedback. And by the time we take that feedback and apply it, everything is stale. The world has changed. You know, I'm older, <laughs> right? Like all these things have happened. Um, and it's 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 one of those things where like, even if you're not in a software or an IT role, um, seeing an HR team become agile where we're looking at how we can sort of build things with teams and with the actual employees versus creating all of these procedures and policies. Um, it helps to really shift how we can support and serve the employees that we we, we have um, in all of our offices. This this reminds me of, you know, we, we do a lot of we've done a lot of consulting around this for clients and with clients. And and we would go in and we'd ask about their struggles. And you'd get a laundry list of reasons why they were struggling with Agile. And what we found is that it all ladders up to kind of the same two things, right? It's leaders and it's mindsets and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's leaders' mindsets, behaviors. And that was just this, like, even when you talk, some people would say, oh, Agile transformation won't work for us because our legacy kind of process and systems are just top down and that's how we input our stuff and that's how it outputs. It's been like that for years. And so trying this agile stuff just doesn't work. And when you really think about what they're saying is they're saying that they're being asked to be agile by leaders who are not letting go of a system that mm -hmm. won't work with agile, right? And there's a mindset that they have to change as leaders to let go and be willing to try something completely new and different to make that successful as well. Another thing, Jeff, what I've learned through these series of uh, attempts is even when I did begin to understand Agile at its core um, and I took the interest to learn it and adapt it, what would happen is when I would see our teams being resistant to adapt it, I would go back to my old behaviors unknowingly uh, mm -hmm. because I was then becoming very forceful or impatient and mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. going back to what my old habits are to be top down and like be command and control. So, you know, like intent wise, I knew the benefits, I understood it, but behavior wise, I couldn't, 
I couldn't really embrace the right behaviors to create a conducive environment for the rest of the organization so, through their motions of transformation. So Mo, how did you fix that? Like, how did you turn that around? I, I, uh, this, this, the last transformation um, attempt, I had to be fully invested into it from a mindset standpoint and recognize how my behaviors as it pertains to not just agile, but behaviors in general together with my team, how to be empathetic towards my team, how to love my team and care for them and mm -hmm. have, um, have a true empathy towards what they're going through get, started to give me a lot more patience and recognition that everyone goes through their transformation in their own and they process it their own way. And my job isn't to come in and just expect that to like, you know, be embraced overnight, I have to be the coach. I have to remove all of their impediments and their issues and the problems that they're going through to, to embrace Agile. What can I do to remove those impediments? Is that more yeah. training? Is that more coaching? Is that more examples? Um, yeah. And how am I leading by example to begin with? Yeah, one thing I, I re that really stands out to me in the last success that we've had has been the change in like kind of what we would call the servant leadership approach to yes. all of this, where I saw you really understanding what you were asking other people to do. And in fact, rolling up your sleeves and doing it yourself to its fullest extent. And that that act of demonstration and kind of leading by 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 example, really, really stood out to me as someone who's fo who's following you through that. Thank you. Awesome. I think um, just a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I agree with everything that Mo just said, especially about the empathy for your teams. And I'm in an interesting position where Chris and Mo and Jeff are all leaders to me and pouring into me. And then I have to take that and pour it into my teams um, that I, I work with day to day, which is interesting. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I had to figure out how do I practice empathy with them? Because at the end of the day, like I you know, I am in a different spot on my transformation journey than they are. Um, so what what can I do to help them? Because there's a lot of fear. Uh, we talked about that earlier, fear of change. So how, how can you help them kind of work through that on their own? Because you can't force it on them. You can't do it for them. They have to work through it on on their own, but uh, how do I facilitate that for them? And and for me, that's really looked like just sitting down and listening to what their fears are and trying to help them um, process through them um, in their own ways and, and figuring out what is blocking them even mentally from, from making this shift in their mind. Because once they're bought in, it's great and, and we are able to be aligned as a team, but if one person even on the team is still not bought in yet, the whole team suffers. Um, and it's, and it's, it can be really subtle even too. It doesn't even have to be someone who's just blatantly saying, I don't believe in this. This doesn't make sense to me. Um, this isn't going to work. It can, it can be very subtle. Um, and so you have to just be able to pay attention to your teams and see how they're struggling with the transformation. That's been, I think the biggest thing for me as um, a project manager, for sure. Yeah. And I think another sort of reason why agile can fail teams is the expectation of knowing what the end is and how every step is going to come into play before you even start. Um, I know that, you know, as you mentioned, being a leader on an agile team, you try and like, okay, this is not about role. This is not about titles. This is about roles and coming together 
but when questions arise, they're still looking for the answer or for a very clear path. And so, you know, practicing that empathy to help them like, actually the question that you, you're asking me is your direction, right? Like, I think if you apply like that thinking that's making you ask that question, you can actually find your own path because you, you will naturally see that what you're asking is really a risk mitigation. It is really a, um, a chance to think through what the next step should be. Um, and you might be the best person to figure that out before I come and tell you what to do and prescribe to you the best way forward. And so um, I'm also learning how to be a leader that empathizes in, a, in an agile team without always feeling like I have to have the answer, even if I know the answer, right, but not prescribing something that may create a stumbling block or become an impediment down the path. Yeah. And with that, too, like, if you're on, if you're someone who's never been in a position of leadership before and has never had to take full ownership of even a deliverable because your organization has been so top down, um, it's really scary <laughs> to to kind of step up and say, you know, I'm going to own this and I'm going to make decisions on it, even if it's small, like even if it's um, if it's not something that's going to make a huge impact. But yep. it's really scary to kind of step up and say, you know what, I think I, I can do this. I think I, I know what's best. So let me give it a shot. Um, that's really scary. <laughs> that that's a great perspective to add because that's that's why these things take years for companies to get through. Because even when you get the mindsets of the lead, let's say you get perfect mindsets across all your leadership, it doesn't change the fact that everyone's scared, you know, out of their minds to make decisions when they never had to before. And it takes iterations of people making mistakes and seeing that it's okay and being having leaders focus on the learnings and not the failures. Yeah. Um, they have to see that, experience it, really trust that it's a real thing and move on in order to build that agile muscle. And that just does not come through force, right? Like, I think that's just a great, great point you just made there, Maggie. Yeah. So Jeff, I think it's, it's ultimately coming down to how you look at agile and their frameworks like Scrum as a as a process and implement the processes, are we going to focus on being agile, which is clearly about the mindsets and behaviors? Um, so I think it's important that we also talk about why some organizations fail in mm -hmm. agile is because they make it all about the process and tools. Like, are we yeah. using Jira? Are we using Confluence? Are we are we following the step by step process of the ceremonies? Um, and if they get stuck into the process and the tools and forget about the people and the interactions, individuals and the interactions and the behaviors around it, you're more than likely going to be doing agile, but it's not going to garner you the benefits of being agile. Yeah. I love, I love, you know, I, I'm, I really feel for Maggie's position because we've seen this play out where the top down does a little bit of Googling or research or it gets hurt, you know, word that agile is the way to go. And so they go, well, there it is. It's all laid out in black and white, how to do agile. And they, they pass it down to the, the next layer of leadership, especially in large organizations. Let's do agile. And then that layer goes, all right, everybody beneath me, let's do agile. And you reach this point where that, that middle kind of management or leadership, you, you'll always find that pressure point where everyone above them is working top down and expecting not to be part of this transformation. It's like you guys down there take care of this, get agile. And everyone beneath them is like, okay, we get it. It makes sense and we're trying. But when they make mistakes, everyone above them is like, why are we failing? I thought we were doing agile. I thought we we're supposed to have figured this out. 
And it, it's so interesting to see that when you go back to, you know, the manifestos and the documentation that really, really defines what Agile, Scrum, all these things are, they everyone kind of skims over the very first page, which is that these are always founded in what they call values or principles. And what they're saying is culture. What they're saying is that your mindset comes first. None of this other stuff matters if you're not thinking about this the right way. It's so compelling. I feel for that middle man management layer that has to, to balance that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I agree with you, Jeff, that it ties ultimately down to culture. If you're looking to have an agile transformation rolled out inside of your organization, uh, you cannot be successful with that strategic initiative unless your culture is in the right place. And as you know, we've spoken about this in multiple episodes, it all ties down to behaviors. Individual behaviors ladder up to the culture. And if you don't have the right culture in place, your agile transformation is more than likely going to fail. Absolutely. I think, I, I think I mean, you oh, oh, go ahead, Maggie, sorry. I was just gonna say, if, if I didn't trust the three of you guys and the other leaders that were um, pouring into me, it would be really hard for me to turn around and, and say in earnest, you know, the things that my team needs to hear in order to transform themselves. And it would just come across as disingenuine and um, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So I, I commend the leaders at Softway because they they kind of, they walk the talk, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. They, they're not just um, telling us to go do they they're teaching us and coaching us. And that's been it's been helpful for sure. Thank Thanks. you. I think we're tying it, we're, we're kind of already moving to this territory, but every episode, I, I, I like to tie it back to love. We've, we've already kind of walked down this path, but let's make it official. What's, what's the tie into love? What's the takeaway for the listener here on when it comes to agile transformation, that connection to love? Who wants to take a crack at it? I do. Most things really eager, so I don't want to get in the way of that. <laughs> <laughs> So ahead, Chris, why don't Chris start us off? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. You start. <laughs> it's like, are you sure, Muhammad? I don't want you to come after me later. I want to. I'm kidding. Wanna... We don't do that in an agile company. There's no. <laughs> I want to practice. <laughs> go for it. Um, no, so I think for me, the biggest, my biggest takeaway when it comes to agile and sort of thinking about it from a, a love angle is that when you really understand what an agile team does with each other and how they operate. Like there is no way you are successful without the components of love, right? Like you truly are in a loving environment when you're operating in agile, whether that be hearing tough love, which comes in the form of, you know, quality, critical feedback, um, or it's that support that you get when you're struggling or falling behind or can't figure something out. And you know, you have a team of people that are there with you to help you to figure it out, to drop what they're doing, right? Like you never feel if you're truly in an agile team alone, you never feel um, excluded. You never feel like, you know, your silence is the only way to get along, so to speak. Um, you really are in a loving environment. Yeah. You actually said it really, really. <laughs> I, was, I was like waiting for Muhammad's big thing and you nailed it. Like, yeah. I, I've always said, show me a truly high performing agile team and I'll show you love being practiced. Like that's like, it's just this weird thing that people don't, connect all the time but it's true those really high performing agile teams there's just a real love yeah. in the air for them for, yeah. in, uh, for each other and i think the other like just critical ingredient that you also see in a truly high functioning and high performing agile team is levity 
it's not all the serious work where you're just, you know, doing rocket science and like, you know, heads down. There's, you know, <laughs> I mean, like you're laughing, you're joking, you're teasing each other, you're throwing shade at each other, right? You're you're experiencing, you know, what it means to really sort of have all of those levels touched when it comes to, you know, the the jokes and the laughter all the way down to the critical tough love that helps the team get better as a as you know a performing unit. That's great. Mm-hmm. And so, how about this? So, so for so for leaders that are listening, Mo. From your perspective, what, what advice or what's the takeaway you'd give, you'd want them to take away from this specifically? Sure. So from a leader standpoint, um, everything that Chris said is still applicable, right? Um, the components of love as a leader, you also have to be able to demonstrate that towards the teams that you are leading. And for that, the best way to lead with love is to become a servant leader where servant leadership is about putting the needs of your team before yours. And your job is to remove their impediments and issues and problems. So as a leader, the best thing you can do is get out of the way of getting your teams to become agile. You you are more than likely the biggest obstacle in the agile transformation. And not only do you get out of the way, but you also help empower your team by providing them the support and the necessary guidance and giving them the resources to be able to be successful in their agile transformation. And by virtue of that, you're being a servant leader. And that is something that I would advise all leaders to consider. And and Maggie, from, I guess, the perspective of, I guess, kind of middle management or just people who are caught between worlds, do you have any thoughts on love and the takeaway here? Yeah, I think I think it comes down to a lot of trust. Like if, if you trust your team, um, to me, that's a big component of love is trust. And so if you can trust your team that um, they're going to do what it, it takes to get an outcome achieved, um, that team is going to be successful. And what that practically looks like what that trust practically looks like is a lot of times um you know asking someone to step in um if if you get sick that happened this week um with one of my teams someone got sick and so someone else on the team's like you know what i'll I'll take her stuff off her plate so she can take a rest day and and not have to worry about it um or um you know team members moving meetings around because um other team members have kids at home like that's that's a big piece of um, being able to trust your teams in order to um, in thinking about your team's needs, like Mo said before your own, because if you or if you're being selfish, you can't jive with a team like you, yeah. you just can't put yourself first. You can only achieve those outcomes if you are working as a unit, as a team. So I think trust is a big one for me um, and unselfishness. So selflessness or servant leadership are two two major ones. Nice. Yeah. Love is never selfish, right? By definition. So mm-hmm. it's actually really, really pointed. Awesome. So in closing, you know, agile transformation is a topic, but as you can see, there's just so much to talk about when it just comes to the, the, the role that culture plays. Um, understated by many, and we know we've seen it. We have a lot more to say on it. I foresee future topics and episodes further diving into like how this actually plays out. Um, But for the time being, thank you guys for joining me. As always, it was a pleasure. Um, For our listeners out there, we love the feedback 
every Friday we're posting these episodes and we, we'd love to hear what you'd like to talk about. Any feedback you have, softway.com slash labs, L-A-A-B-S. And if you like what you heard today, it would be really helpful if you left us a review or a subscription on Apple Podcasts and it'd make a big difference for us. So with that, we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Thanks.